You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. Monday, November the 29th. Cold, frosty, sunny morning here in TW11. Racing will be in the news this week. Graham Gibbons' Freddie Talitsky case is set to be heard in the High Court beginning today. The British Horse Racing Authority's case against rider Robbie Dunn for alleged harassment and bullying of fellow rider Bryony Frost will begin tomorrow. There's much else in the news. David Walsh's piece about the sale of a horse trained by Dan Skelton has raised a few eyebrows. Chelmsford City have announced their plans to put in place some fairly stringent entry requirements on the back of uh, the recent Omicron COVID variant discovery and also recent terrorist incidents. We'll discuss the ramifications of that. And focus is sharpening all the time on how the betting industry is going to pick it way through the next stages of the gambling review but we must start with what happened on the race course yesterday honeysuckle the brilliant mare extending her winning sequence under rules to 13 in total to 14 if you include her point to point eliciting comparisons with the brilliant dawn run the man who rode dawn run tony mullins will be telling me just why in a few moments time but first of all rishi Passad joins me rishi does honeysuckle now start to enter the pantheon of modern greats if she hadn't already I think that she certainly entered that discussion, Lucky. When I was growing up, obviously, there were Irish hurdlers that uh, assumed status uh, that uh, they would remain for a very long time part of our memory, part of our conscience. I think back, obviously, to the likes of Donoli Isterbrack before that dawn run. And I certainly think uh, that she is in that conversation. She carries with her, uh, and together with Rachel Blackwell, that partnership. If she carries something a little bit special, a little bit magical, something that we can't quite put our finger on, but we know when we see the race unfold that we count on her to deliver. Uh, when you think about the fact that she has just got better and better with each run, uh, with each season, and the likelihood is that we are potentially looking at an even better honeysuckle this season, she becomes, I think, the third mayor to win the Hatton's Grace for a third time, equaling Apples, Jade and Solarina. I think the only other horse to win it three times was Limestone Lad. Uh, and it's fair to say that in many people's eyes, and certainly currently, you might think she's going to end up certainly better than that trio. The combination of Honeysuckle and Rachel Blackmore together are taking the sport outside of just simply the racing bubble, I believe. And I think we're, we're standing on the edge of something really special over the next uh, few months of this season. And I really hope that, uh, <laughs> that all our expectations uh, are, are met by Honeysuckle. I think, I think that's the beauty about it. I think because she's so genuine, she's so easy to deal with through the race. You watch the way she traveled through the race. Even Henry de Brom had said maybe he was slightly concerned that she was a bit too close to the very quick pace set by Stormy Island but you trust in Rachel Blackmore. And in the end, they had more than enough in hand to see off the field. And you know that from her run last year, she improved through the season. The likelihood is she's going to do the same again this year. Uh, I think we are about to enter into the realms of something really, really special with Honeysuckle and that partnership with Rachel Blackmore. 
Well, in taking her reputation perhaps onto an even higher plane yesterday in the Hatton's Grace, Honeysuckle invited comparisons with the most celebrated and legendary mayor of the modern era, the mayor who won the Champion Hurdle and the Cheltenham Gold Cup, Dawn Run. One of the men who was most closely associated with Dawn Run and rode her several times was was Tony Mullins. And indeed, he made this uh, comparison on, on Twitter yesterday. Tony, what prompted you to write that now? Well, I just thought her authority yesterday... Um you know, um, a horse took her on early, you know, so she didn't, ha- she doesn't have to make her own running. She can make her own running. She, uh, won with unbelievable authority yesterday. And it was interesting to hear Henry say she was 10 kilos above her, um, what he believes is her peak weight. And, um, you know, I just thought it was a hell of a performance. And now it's 13 out of 13, eight straight grade ones in a row. I mean, you know, she has it all. She's done it everywhere, right-handed, left-handed, two miles, two and a half miles, uh, written every different way. You know, she, she, she's answered everything she's been asked. With that, with that comparison, was there something about watching that race yesterday that reminded you of being aboard Dawn Run? Well, no, what, what I thought was, uh, from the time they turned at Ballyhack, uh, Rachel was in complete control, dominated the race. You know, she she could have sat. She decided to kick. Yeah, it didn't matter what she did. She had just such authority over the whole race yesterday that, uh, to me, it showed me that there's nothing going to get near her for the season. Amazing versatility was what characterised the, the mayor that you were so closely associated with. And we're starting to see that with, with Honeysuckle, aren't we? Can you see why, and we talked to Peter Maloney about this quite a bit on the podcast, can you see why connections were half-tempted to, to try and get themselves a little bit of that history and, and go down the chasing route? Yeah, well, I thought yesterday, I thought she, she jumped a bit like a one that might have been schooled over fences because... Um, she used her back, you know, as opposed to um, the great Isterbrack, who left fly at his hurdles like a real hurdler, you know, Isterbrack, Sea Pigeon, uh, that type of horse. Uh, she used herself like a one that would jump a fence. You know, it's very hard to say. I mean, Rachel is the only one you can really ask that question to. But just looking at it, I thought... Um, this one will jump a fence the way you know she wasn't firing herself at her hurdles she went in and jumped them uh, which is hard to explain you know but um that's what i thought you know that she was using herself like the one would would you know wouldn't find any problem switching to um steeple chasing and of course she she won a point to point by a million miles years ago but i know what you mean i i i think you're explaining it very well it's that it's that arch of the back isn't it rather than just flicking yeah. over the hurdle yeah that's what i thought i saw yesterday and, and uh, you know i mean <laughs> if i owned her my god i don't know what i'd do i mean you know it's so worrying uh, when you go chasing with a beautiful mare like that i know we all love a good chaser my God, if anything happened or you know, it's a big worry. In terms of the, the impact that she's now having, this mayor, on, on the sport in, in Ireland, but here as well, and, and, the, and the sort of uh, 
the pull that she has on on the public that we saw at Ferry House yesterday, um, that's reserved for very few horses, isn't it? Ah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, when you you see, like it's thirty five years since Dawn Run, and it was twenty years before that. You know, to back to Arca, and uh, you know, I know Easterbrack had his followers and that, but I mean, it's very rare you get one with the. You know, if you think that it was big yesterday, wait till the next day she runs. I mean, yesterday, I think, cemented her into that league. And, uh, I, I, you know, it was brilliant to see that around the number one yesterday. Uh, we haven't seen it for a long time, but I think it'll be much, much bigger the next day. Well, Tony Mullins there on the comparisons between uh, Honeysuckle and Dawn Run. And uh, inter- interesting, Rishi, to, to hear Tony saying the way she jumped it would certainly make chasing a possibility one day. They were toying with the idea this season. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a long way off and, and maybe the risk will always be too great. But her versatility, I think, is what for me sets her apart from other very good champion hurdlers. Uh, yeah, I agree. Her versatility is certainly one thing. It's the fact that she's able to... The thing I enjoy watching her racing is the fact that she she's able to relax through her races, which makes her such a potent force, no matter what the distance, what the track, whether it's left-handed or right-handed. She makes Rachel Blackmore's job really easy in the sense that she, she's very adaptable to whatever the situation is. Uh, she's straightforward. She travels comfortably. She's got a turn of foot. She jumps soundly. There, there doesn't seem to be a flaw in her. I wonder if, in fact, her partnership with Honeysuckle could propel Rachel Blackmore's star further outside racing's orbit than even her Grand National victory. I'm not sure her Grand National victory resonated quite as much as I thought it might. Uh, But I wonder whether this partnership, because it's the horse as much as the rider, might, might actually have more impact over time. It's a good question. Uh, Perhaps you're right about the Grand National. I, I thought there'd perhaps be a little bit more uh, interest outside of the sport for Rachel Blackmore after the victory in the Grand National. There was, but perhaps not quite as much. But um, maybe it's because we in the sport already knew she was a superstar and a great sports person. Um, And perhaps it didn't catch people by surprise. And so the story was already there in in a sense. Um, But I see what you're saying about the honeysuckle relationship. I, I, I do believe that it's one that could could help the sport enormously with positive uh, public relations. I do believe that the way that uh, they both they both operate together, uh, and the way that the horse remains unbeaten, and the way that she continues to deliver, I I, I agree with you. I think it's potential uh, for excellent PR outside of the racing bubble for courtesy of uh, of Honeysuckle and Rachel Black. Well, Rishi, no doubt Cloudy Glenn's victory in the Ladbrokes Trophy on Saturday warmed the heart for so many reasons. The colours of the late Trevor Hemming sported by the horse, Phoenicia Williams' brilliant training performance and Charlie Deutsch, one of his great career highs. But in terms of star quality, step forward, ahoy, senor. I might, I might have been ridiculous in my own feelings watching the race, Lucky, but I thought I was watching a potential Gold Cup horse. I thought the way he powered through the race was the most impressive thing. He's clearly got an enormous engine, which we, we knew uh, beforehand. But the fact that he absolutely pulverised the field, and you summed it up with a, what was it, a romp, a riot, and one other R, what was that? 
<laughs> I can't remember my own illiterate description. What was but, it? <laughs> yes, uh, and Rob Bariad and all the other R's that go with thrashing a pretty useful field. Uh, there's no question in my mind that the only horse on that day that you thought could potentially win a Gold Cup one day was Ahoy Senor. I'm really impressed. But, you know, I think uh, I'm not alone in that boat. I'm pretty certain quite a few people were impressed, none more so than someone who knows a lot more about it in, in Peter Scudamore. And Peter Scudamore is the partner of Ahoy Senor's trainer, Lucinda Russell, who's based in Scotland. Uh, Peter Scudamore himself, a multiple champion jockey. He's been associated with countless good horses in the stables of Fred Winter, of David Nicholson, of Martin Pipe, of Nigel Twiston Davis, and now with Lucinda Russell. Uh, Skew is with me now. Now, Skew, you described this as the best horse you'd ha- had anything to do with. Um, were you just getting carried away in the heat of the moment, or, or was this for real? No, look, as I said, sometimes you say these things and you, you wish you hadn't said to him them. I, I said to the owners when they're watching working, oh, this is as good as a scene. Um, and then, you know, they ramps up the pressure on you when you're running. And I think that was the emotion of um, Saturday, that it was just a relief of, of having said something stupid, that uh, he went and proved what you did say uh, somewhere near right. You know, I mean, whether he's as good as a... You know, we can't put him into Carl's Hill or you know, the Pearly Mans and those, you know, long, long way before, below those. But, uh, you know, what it was really mean, meaning is in the quality of the horses that Luce and I have um, trained, we, um, that he, he's right up there uh, with them. I mean, the, the one for Arthur's, the, the Mighty Thunders, the Brindisi Breezes, you know, they're... they're um, their stayers. This, this horse has a, a little bit of pace about him, as well as obviously having um, the ability to, to go along at a good gallop. I mean, he, he had, but again, you know, sitting on the fence a bit, the, you know, he is in a very hot di- division. Um, you've got Brave Man's Game, you've got Bollinger, and that's without the uh, battalions of uh, Willie Mullins that will come out. You know. Now, now, Skew, you're you're retreat you're retreating from the precipice a bit now, which is which is rather disappoint yeah, yeah. which is rather disappointing. I'm allowed to do. <laughs> I'm allowed to do. I'm trying to keep my feet on the ground after <laughs> saying such. But yeah, but I, it was the emotion of it, wasn't it? Um, look, it was a very very fine performance, and and I think you know I don't know what I was speaking to Marcus, my mate from the Daily Mail, and he was saying that um, time form had put him up with thistle crack. Uh, as a rating, and I think they might have retreated from that. But I see, I think Racing Post have given a rating about 165, which is, I think, 153 and uh, for his about that for his run at Aintree. So look, you're, you're pushing up into pretty high realms, aren't you? You know, uh, you are. He is a, a serious Grade One horse. We knew that from what he did in the Sefton at, at Aintree. But it was lovely to see him confirm it over fences. Um, he was just a little novice at one or two of his his obstacles. Uh, do you think he's likely to sharpen up? Yeah, it's funny. He jumped. He probably jumped best with Carlisle in some ways. Um, I was always a little bit worried in his ditches because he, you know, he doesn't back off a lot. Uh, I was worried he'd go and leave his hind legs in a, in a ditch. And um, he at Carlisle, I thought he he was spectacular. And, and, and you know, he it was just unlucky. At, I mean, he stumbled a bit at Carlisle and. You know, nobody can be expected to stay on the, in, in those circumstances. I don't think he would have won. But um, at Aintree, he, I, I, I think it was just being his second run. Um, Derek couldn't just fire him all the time. What pleased me is really at, at Aintree, is, at, at Newbury, sorry, is that um, he made his, you know, made his 
not errors, but had a look, and then suddenly down the back, he said, okay, I've learned from this, I know what I have to do, and away he went and did it. And watching him at Aintree over hurdles, you know, the commentator, you know, we're, we're a rag running against these wonderful horses, and the commentator says, you know, quite rightly, he's saying, you know, this is a rag in front of 33 to 1. Oh, they've caught him now. And then with that, he jumps one, and he's gone five clear again, you know. And that's what he did at Newbury, wasn't he? He went to that first in the straight, you know, and I'm very, very worried about Harry de Bromhead's horse coming to him, and he just jumps one, one jump, and it's all over, isn't it? You know, I tell you what, it's funny, just coming to it we traveled down the night before uh, the two days before so we watched um him cancer on the track and harry de Bromwich's horse henry de Bromwich's horses are out and so are um willie mullins as you see um and they come back in and they have a pick of grass and uh, our horse is going into the stables and i said oh that's that's the secret to the irish after they've cantered they all go and have a pick of grass so i <laughs> quickly got out um, <laughs> well I got Jamie Duff to have a hoist and you're out to have a big grass but I said to, I said to Henry afterwards I said everybody says you're on um, you know everybody's uh, talk about the Irish on drugs he says well I wish wish our horses were on whatever hoist and you was on and I said to him well he saw your horses having the big grass afterwards we quickly got a hoist and you're out to do the same he said oh that's what we do with Williams find out what Willie's doing and then just copy <laughs> Skew, thanks so much. Best of luck. Cheers. Thanks, mate. Bye. Right. The great Peter Skewdemore there. On to news this week. And uh, the English High Court today will determine whether Graham Gibbons' riding was negligent at Kempton Park on the 31st of October 2016 and whether that negligence led to Freddie Talitsky being paralysed from the waist down. Talitsky seeks damages which are quantified at in excess of £6 million. Ryan Moore, the multiple champion jockey, and respected analyst Jim Seamagrah, late of Timeform, will be giving evidence. Uh, and Rishi, this is a case with seismic implications, potentially. Well, because of the legal system in the UK, Lucky, precedent tends to set, or precedent does set, uh, the, <clears throat> the law for the majority of, uh, of cases like this. So what happens in this case is, as you say, going to be seismic for the sport. Now, if... Uh, and obviously there's a long way to go. If Graham Gibbons were to be found guilty, you're looking at potentially the, the, the phrase that I remember back in my day when I did a little bit of law was floodgates opening, um, which is something that courts have generally been reluctant to do. If, if it were to, to go down the route of Graham Gibbons being found guilty for, for a, what, could, what we can constitute a, a regular race riding offence, then that's a really dangerous situation for the sport to be in. I'm guessing that there's going to be evidence to suggest that there's more than that in order for Freddie Tillichie to have a proper case uh, and to have a case where it's taken outside of the regular jurisdiction of, you know, these are normal riding offences. It, it is potentially going to have a huge impact on the sport. But from my very limited uh, legal training, uh, it's, it's a very hard one to prove uh, for Freddie Tillichie. And the case brought by the British Horse Racing Authority against jockey Robbie Dunn will begin tomorrow, Rishi. That'll take place at High Hoban, the BHA's headquarters. What is extremely important is that uh, we get to the right conclusion, one that is based on proper evidence, one that is based on uh, coming to the right decision.
for all the individuals involved. Um, and I, I hope that at the end, at the end of it, um, racing will be in a, in a better position to, to bounce back from it because at least we would have identified maybe issues and situations in the sport that need to be clarified because let's not, let's not beat around the bush. This, this case has had a huge impact on the sport. I mean, I'm pretty certain that there wouldn't be anyone involved in the sport of horse racing that hasn't spoken about the Robbie Dunbrani Frost case over the last few months. And we've all speculated, we've all talked about it. No one outside of that, that, that the Brani Frost or Robbie Dunn camp will know really the details of what's going on. So hopefully once this is done over the next six days, we can uh, draw a line under it, but move on and move on with the benefit of hindsight that we're going to make things better. Of course, what's unusual in this case is that we already know so much of the of the detail, as you rightly point out, not all of it, but so much of it because it's been published in the Sunday Times because David Walsh, the, the leading sports writer, had possession of quite a lot of the caseload information beforehand, which is why we've we've all been speaking about it fairly, fairly openly. What I think is going to be examined and what's going to be quite interesting is the processes that took place during the investigation and whether those processes were carried out correctly. And one of the reasons why there's going to be a lot of scrutiny on that is because the man who was charged with leading the investigation, Chris Watts, is no longer an employee of the BHA and left in rather strange circumstances that were charted in Charlie Brooks's Telegraph column today. So I think examination of those processes is likely to be a, an interesting and significant part of this case, whether or not it ha- has any bearing on the on the final judgment. Now, speaking of David Walsh, racing was the subject of his piece in the Sunday Times again yesterday, this time involving the sale of a horse from several years ago, and the sale of a horse to a syndicate headed by Tony Holt, who'd had a lot of success with horses trained by Dan Skelton, including the Cheltenham Festival winner Superb Story and Mamella, a grade one winner. This horse not so successful, George Gently, purchased £420,000 after finishing second in an Anguien hurdle, uh, already trained by Skelton at the time. The horse went on not to be any good and indeed picked up an injury fairly soon after it was purchased. Holt's allegation and complaint to the British Horse Racing Authority at the time that Skelton had a hitherto undeclared beneficiary interest in the horse which would have influenced his pushing the sale. Now, the BHA has investigated this. There has not thus far been a case to answer. But Tony Holt, it is evident, is dissatisfied still. And his testimony, as reported by David Walsh, is inviting the reader to draw the inference that he has been treated dishonestly. I also contacted the British Horse Racing Authority just to see where this stood. They also declined to comment while correspondence was still being exchanged. We're only being documented to facts in a newspaper story. Um, but when you look through it, um, and it, it leaves, leaves something of uncertainty in, in how it's all unfolded. But for us to, to be judgmental on it, it's, it's a bit awkward when the, the people involved have already uh, given their evidence, given their, their side of the story to the relevant authorities. And those authorities have come up and said, well, here's, here's a warning about your conduct in the future, but we find... Uh, nothing wrong with what you're, with the way you've uh, conducted yourself in this particular instance. Now, Rishi, in order to get into Chelmsford City Racecourse now, you don't just need a COVID pass, you also need photographic ID. Now, apparently this is not in response to the new Micron strain. They were going to bring this in anyway. Uh, COVID pass, I get it. ID as well. What do you think? 
Um, I personally, I'm not entirely sure that it's necessary for the photo ID if you have the COVID passes. Um, but I, I think the COVID passes are a good idea. I mean, I've, I'm certainly not against COVID passes uh, when you're when we're currently still in a pandemic. There are new variants coming up, and uh, at least if you have something that suggests that you are protected against uh, the the COVID strain, then maybe then that's a, I think that's a, that's a fairly decent idea. I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm happy with people providing COVID passes where we go. You know, we do it obviously crossing borders. Um, and it's a it's a way of of helping us fight the virus. I'm not happy with people. I'm not happy with people providing ID because they've they've cited the recent terrorist activity as as one. Yeah, of the no, I, why people have I'm, to have I'm not to, have to certain about ID. ID. That's that's ridiculous. Surely, COVID passes. I I'm happy with. I'm I'm happy with people providing COVID passes. ID. I'm less uh, less certain that they are necessary. Um, but I'm, I'm not entirely sure why Chelmsford really need that. Uh, but they're saying that a lot of sports grounds have done the IDs as a security measure. Um, is that necessary? You know, are we subject to, to needing that in the sport of horse racing? Is that something that we needed before? Uh, I'm not sure that we need it now. Well, poor old Paul Nichols was self-isolating over the weekend, so wasn't able to be a new brief. First things first, Paul, how are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad at all. I've never been too bad. Um, it's it's just like I had a bit of a cold last week, which I always get a winter cold. And I did a few of those lateral flow tests for a few days and I was negative all the time. And then I think it was I think early last week, Tuesday, so I tested positive uh, on the lateral flow and then uh, obviously realised then I had to, um, you know, self-isolate. Um, the biggest problem is all, it's like we're always in racing, you're in contact with so many different people at some stage, you're not going to pick it up somewhere. Yeah, well, yes, exactly, and I, I, I suppose in terms of in terms of work, I guess I guess it, the, it runs itself, but probably quite frustrating, isn't it, at home? Yeah, it is, but um, you know, just got to be sensible. Just for a few, I mean, I can I'm okay from Thursday, so I can um, go racing at the weekend, which is good, and I can just keep an eye on everything. Spend plenty of time studying the entry entry book and decks and things like that, and just making sure everything's going smoothly, and just operate things from here, really. Yeah, so looking toward the the weekend, this weekend coming, you've still got four in the Tingle Creek. What what are you thinking about running at the moment? Um, Hitman and um, uh, Grenadine. Um, those are the two that I probably run. Um, I think Clitalog will probably leave him because it's not going to be soft enough. I see they're already watering places, you know, uh, to keep it good on the backstroke, which is normal. There's not a lot of rain about, so it's not going to be soft enough for Clitalog. The other two will be fine. Okay, but uh, Hitman's a, a horse who came back with that run in the Beholden Gold Cup, and I, yeah. you were sort of expecting him to win. He didn't win. But what was your reflection on the run? Well, he ran very well. He travelled it oh so well, jumped well, jumped the last and sort of put his ears in front, which he'd done before entering. Probably the first time he's ever raced, you know, when there's been a crowd at the races. Um, because the, the only other times he's run, he, he, he'd obviously there'd been no crowd. I don't know. I just think they're putting some cheap pieces on him just to just focus his mind a fraction. Um, and he's one of those horses that probably the better the race and leader gets further will suit him better. So, you know, he's got to step up on form, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he did. Will it be Harry on him and Bryony on Grenatine? Yeah, well, I haven't decided that yet. I'll have a talk with him. But, I, I, yeah, I, I think like, Bryony won the, you know, the celebration chase and gets on well with him. Um, and to be honest with you, I know the ratings say differently. I wouldn't be surprised there's not too much between them. And any other um, sort of significant horses likely to be out at Sandown? Well, I have put Il Rodito in the Henry VIII. Uh-huh. Um, 
he had a nice run there on Saturday, didn't do too much. Um, he gets in that race Saturday, I think, with 10 stone 5 with a four-year-old allowance. You know, if everything was all all right, we might well have a look at that. He was ridiculously um, impressive the other day. I mean, I know he was carrying no weight, but he looked like he yeah. just jumped in two out. Yeah, well, obviously, um, yeah, he, he was, it, the condition to him, the four-year-old got their allowance, so they've had to have had three runs over fences to be qualified to run off his mark. And, of course, he'd had a fall in a second in France, then was third at Newton Abbey the other day, so it was perfect. And I knew he was way better than what he'd shown at Newton Abbey because he did sustain an injury that day or got jumped into. I wasn't expecting that, mind you, but we always thought he was a nice horse. So when they're progressive, it's, it's worth following that. So it might be worth a chance on, on, on the weekend. Uh, he was good. Cap course was fantastic. That must have given you a lot of pleasure, winning that race in the O'Sullivan Colours for, for J.P. McManus. Yeah, it was. You know, it was three years ago he won that race, and he's still only a young horse. I think he was five when he won it before. Had lots of problems since, and only had the one run in the last sort of two years. But we we knew he had him right. AP was superbly impressed when he got up to a new the other day. And the plan came off, so we're thrilled with that, yeah, for everybody involved. And I suppose if there was if there was one that got away, it was Pick Dory who fell at the first in the home straight in that novice chase. He was properly motoring along. Uh, uh, did you, is that left you with a bit of a head scratcher as to where to go next? Well, he's uh, just a bit frustrating because you know, he loves that better ground. He, he's obviously very talented. Uh, he, he would have gone very well at Ascot last year if he hadn't tipped up three out in the good race. I can't remember who one of them made, but was it Champ or one of Nicky's horses? I can't recall, but he was going to go close that day. We give him plenty of time, come back this year as a novice and won at Frost Lass. And then, of course, that happened the other day. I'm just going to put that behind us. Plenty of schooling. I might go back to Ascot somewhere in two weeks' time with him. And when he clicks, he'll be good. And is Enrillo okay? Enrillo is fine. That was frustrating. He was travelling beautifully in behind the leaders. I think he was half asleep. Just stepped at one and just, just at the wrong place at the wrong time. But he's fine. I haven't really come up with a plan since then. We just focused everything on that day and getting him right for that. And, of course... Up to then he went, but thankfully, as you said, he's fine, and we'll have to make another plan. On stage star, you said to me the other day, goes to the shallow hurdle following the Brave Man's game route. Yeah, I mean, he's a lovely horse. Um, he, he actually won on Friday exactly the same time Brave Man's game did a year ago, which was incredible, really, at the same distance. Um, yeah, we, it's obvious thing. He's got to step him up in class now, and the challenge is the obvious race to run him in. And are you starting to tighten the screws on the on the King George horses now? Um, Clan Des Obo, obviously, and, and Frode on the two previous winners. Yeah, and St. Calvados, who ran so well in the race last year, he's going to go as well. Um, yeah, all, all three of them will probably have a race course gallop in the middle of the month. Frodon's got over over Ireland, now we're stepping him up again. Clan's doing plenty, he went to Newbury the other day, he'll have one more day out, and they'll be ready for Boxing Day. Paul Nichols there. Just time then, Rishi, for a tip for today. Uh, there's quite a decent little race at Kempton, uh, Lucky. Um uh, like Bashosh, I'm trying to remember what time that race is. Um, Bashosh of uh, Roger Verens still remains fairly lightly raced, this horse. Uh, he won his first couple of starts um, and then perhaps was racing over the wrong trip last time. He's dropping back to a mile, having run over a mile and a half. Of all the horses, and it's, the race is at 2.25, the mile handicap, of all the horses uh, in that race, he is the most lightly raced and the one open to most improvement. I know he's a short price, but... Uh, I, I expect them to win and get things off to a good start for the week. All right, Rishi, thanks so much. And thanks to an illustrious trio of guests earlier in the show as well. Paul Nichols, Peter Scudamore and Tony Mullins. We will see you again tomorrow. That was Monday, November the 29th. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and thoroughbred racing commentary.